I know in my experience, um, I've always loved horses. At the same time, always feared them for whatever reason. And then life manifested those fears um, when I went to my first riding experience. We were at the cottage with the family. A bunch of us cousins would go together and just do stuff and spend time up uh, just north of the city. Um, I don't know whose idea it was to go horseback riding, but uh, we all decided to do that in a, in a nearby town. And I was excited to go because, hey, I wanted to be a cowboy. <laughs> and I didn't even know that song about save a horse, ride a cowboy. So I went there. Um, we went down and we registered. The people that were in charge of that looked at me and shook their head. I'm like, they go, I go, what's wrong? <laughs> For those that ride, they will know exactly what's wrong. I came in with um, these short, short lotto, called Loto or L-O-T-T-O, kind of gym shorts that were really cut high so short a lot of bare leg and then I had um, it wasn't flip flops it was sandals with no socks so those that know know and I soon knew <laughs> the perils of wearing or not wearing protection on my skin so anyway we got to know the horses we all got assigned one and we started to ride um and my horse decided to um, be disobedient or just did whatever it wanted to. It took me into the bushes. It took me, uh, it, tro it trotted, um, rubbing my legs even more so on its bare skin. And um, it was torturous. Um, by the end of the ride, my ankles were bleeding from the, from the stirrups and the, um, my inner thighs were just burnt just raw anyway um the horse would just uh wouldn't follow what i was um signaling for you know, to go in direction it would as i said hit the trees um go into areas away from the um the herd take me in the middle of the 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 water the, the river and just stay in the middle and was defiant um and it would freak me out and it was like my fear just kind of like just <laughs> grew and I'm like oh, oh I got no control over this horse it did what it wanted to do and and so on it was just uh it was a problem anyway so that was my first experience and I felt that for weeks afterwards obviously as it manifested on my skin and in my psyche because I had the fear the trauma of having this animal taking uh control um, and the second time I was, I decided to conquer my fears because I'm that type of guy which is like, okay, um, just go and do what you fear. Uh, was in Mexico with, was it Mexico? Yeah, it was Mexico. It was, it was a couple of years after that where they had horses on the beach. Unfortunately, they were, look, they looked emaciated. Their, their, their backs and their stomachs was like they're concave. They were, looked really sick. Anyway. Um, decided to go on the horse on the beach, kind of romantic, right? It was with my with my uh, with my sister and, uh, and other people on the resort, and I don't know if I imagined this, but my horse was trying. To, I won't say trying to mount my sister's horse, so it was actually getting very um, um, defiant, and it was messing around with my sister's horse and I just I'm get on I'm getting off of this it's like no way I am not gonna do this uh anymore me and horses just don't don't mix so those are my two experiences with horses and I still admired them from afar I loved the whole kind of you know cowboy movies and all this stuff and and um it was pretty um weird relationship with the horse so I came to the conclusion that horses and I just don't mix. We're not meant to be. <laughs> anyway, fast forward. I met someone who um, is very knowledgeable about horses and works with horses. And um, 
I, I was telling her about these experiences with these horses and she was telling me, she goes, you know why you're afraid of horses? And I said, why? And she goes to me, um, because you're afraid of your power. And that really stuck. Um, I knew I had power. I knew I could do things, but I was always sabotaging myself um, and my power and, and, and all that. So anyway, um, you know, since then I've been having this love affair, <laughs> very, very distant love affair with horses. I was afraid of them, but I admired them, you know, watching movies and stuff. And um, there's always some special connection that I had, but it was just, you know, it wasn't, there was something in the way. Anyway, I was recommended to see someone who is my next guest just to get shit sorted out of my life because I had a lot of crap going on. And uh, I, I, she helped me fall in love with horses and understand them on a, such a profound level. And I cannot say enough about my next guest, Michelle, and what she does and how she helped me connect profoundly with these beautiful beings. So let's meet her now. And now for our special guest, Michelle Kwasnick. How are you doing, Michelle? I'm doing great, Frank. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Um, it's a great honor because uh, I've um, experienced your work and I was, you know, looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to this, see how it would transpire. So welcome mm -hmm. to the Ultimate Journey Awakened to Spirit podcast. And we have um, a wealth of information coming to you because Michelle is awesome. Uh, you want to just start off and just say what what you do, where you are, what you do? <laughs> what I am, what I do. Uh, so uh, my name is Michelle Wozniak. As uh, Frank just said, I am a life coach and a equine experiential learning facilitator. So I also have uh, my NLP and my cranial sacral therapy. So I combine all of those pieces of work, those pieces of paper and learnings into helping people navigate their life in a positive way. Hence your, the name of your website. <laughs> That's right. Navigate life positively. Yes. And so I think what we're all trying to do is just get through our life in the most positive way. And I even hesitate to use the word get through. It's more experience our life in a positive way. Yeah, so we can have the best life we can have. Right. When I, when I hear that too, it's like it's almost like saying um, when people say they're survivors of abuse yeah. as opposed to they're thrivers, or like it's like, there's just that 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 connotation to those words. So uh, vocabulary is very important. I believe it's <laughs> how we talk to the universe and to our unconscious mind or subconscious mind. And yeah, just um, I wanted to just share. It's definitely definitely so, unconscious, not subconscious. Say. Eh? Well, it depends because I've I've taken um, um, a hypnosis course. I got certified last year, and the the um, instructor, the, the owner of the school, calls it unconscious. So that's more of a Freud, uh, a Jung, Carl Jung, subconscious. Mm -hmm. I always thought of subconscious through my early readings, but I like unconscious better. Unconscious is the way in which I prefer to speak of it because right. to say something is sub something implies that it's less than excellent and point. i would really hesitate to say that my unconscious driving is sometimes superior to my conscious and so therefore i don't like calling it a sub anything it's perfect. just part of my awareness well said that's perfect um the i like to share my i, I went to see you twice yeah and um was blown away the first time was it was it was blown away the most just with uh with the experience with the horses and i would like for you to to talk about horses and how they're intuitive and then i can share a story that really i think the listener will be will, will appreciate and you know also how you facilitated your intuition too so um if yeah if you don't mind i'd love to hear about um horses and their, their empathic abilities and, and all that stuff? Um, horses are really interesting. You know, they've been, um, they're a prey animal. Um, and they've been alive and around for a very long time. And not much has changed in their evolution. You know, if you take a look at the evolution of man and you start to look at the, 
the descriptors or the pictures even of them, there's been a, a large shift in the way in which we even perceptually look, visually look. Horses look the same since the beginning of horses being in our awareness. They haven't really physically changed their appearance. So it says that something's really smart about the way in which they survive. They don't need to, <laughs> they haven't had to kind of reinvent themselves. So it's been that they're magical in that way. The other piece that's really powerful about the fact that they're prey animals is that they're really just looking to connect and to uh, survive and thrive. So uh, they don't hold on to um, trauma, if you will. So I always love the story of, you know, the horses are about to go across a savanna or a large plain of field. And, you know, the horses do this beautiful job of going across the field and there's a lion laying off to the side and, and they just uh, saunter past it. They're aware that it's there, but they can intuitively feel and, and address the fact that that is not dangerous at this moment. And they head off to the watering hole and they do what they need to do at the watering hole. And, and then on their return back, from the watering hole, the, the lion has changed its intent. The lion's energy has shifted in some way, and the horses know that. And so as one, as one large unit, they move very differently across that field. They get away from where they're supposed to go, and then they go back to grazing. And at no point when they're back at grazing do they go, oh, my God, did you see that happen? We can never go to the watering hole again. <laughs> it's a no tragedy that has no chat groups, no no uh, no no uh, groups and yeah. uh, discussion boards on on that stuff. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, they just go back to eating, and they just were able to air that energy within, not just for themselves, but for their entire community. So that is what they bring to the sessions intuitively when you go out and work with a horse, is they sort of give you a instant reflection of maybe the things that within yourself you haven't been able to put to words or maybe are not willing to admit. They give you an instant reflection back to um, how you could change that or shift that. Right. And the second that you bring that into your awareness, energetically and intuitively, they go back to grazing. So you get the real time felt sense awareness of what it is that you're shifting within yourself absolutely so, yeah and i feel that's that what i love about them it's amazing they're the perfect mirror is what comes to mm -hmm. mind when i think about them and they have no investment in it they're, there's no they're just witnesses i mean you're they allow you to, to, to be and react however like i remember at that time am i are you okay with me using some of the names of the horses you can use any of the names of the horses and you can use any of the stories that you'd like to okay, tell great. except for anything that is any of the stories that you'd like to tell that are yours. Yes. So please remember to be confidential about the others that may have been with you on your journey. And one of the things I've learned too, and even holding space, so it was interesting. Uh, I believe it was with Mika the first day. And just saying what you were, what you're telling me is like, uh, I've always had... Uh, I'll just say the story and then I'll, I'll describe it afterwards. I was with Mika. Um, you called her a drama queen one time, but I'm not. I'm not throwing her under the bus. I'm like, <laughs> um, no. <laughs> she was around me and um, she started farting and burping and making all these sounds and um, all the other uh, guests were with their horses and 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 having their own thing and. I said, oh, I guess this is for me, right? And I looked over at you. You were in the back with your uh, co-facilitator. And I go, this is for me, right? And you just nodded. And she didn't stop farting and making sounds and gastric stuff. And then you looked at me and you said, you, you're safe. You are safe. And then since that time, I don't know where it came from. It, I just started tearing from my eyes and like... Hearing that you said I'm safe, and then Mika um, mirroring back. I've always had um, nervous energy in my gut area, my intestines. I'm always like holding stuff in and um, holding anxiety in. And wow, she just poof, right back at me. And the fact that I could release it, 
was was phenomenal. That was my first wow wow. We did some exercises beforehand, but that's what what got me that one, the first one, and it was incredible. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. she just went on her merry way after she did her thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's always been the kind of horse I, I often very chuckle there a lot about her. You know, she's never going to be my horse from the scientific, um, uh, I guess, the worry of an equine caregiver that's going to have intestinal issues that's one of the things that we worry about with horses it's a thing called colic and it's where they kind of can't release their gas and she's always been very free with her uh, um, ability to express herself in whatever form that needs to be expressed incredible i mean at first i thought it was comical and i think some of the other people there was laughing it's like ah this ain't so funny because i get it at first i might yeah yeah, well, how often do we wish we could express ourselves so freely? But, you know, and, and I know we're joking and we're laughing and we're talking about black shit, you know, uh, um, black age. I'm not going to get that word right. So I'm just going to call it that. We're calling it farting or we're releasing <laughs> in that. But, you know, and people people don't like it, you know, and they, they're embarrassed by it. But yet it's a really natural expression of what our digestive system needs to do. And yet if we're not in a safe environment, we cannot do that. Exactly. And, you know, <laughs> it is a prof- profound um, bodily function because if you, you look at children and some adults, especially males, they never grow out of the joke of people farting. You know, I saw I saw a video pat- yeah. going around. But this guy goes into a Costco and goes onto the microphone and just puts the mic to his bum and he farts and it echoes through the river reverberates <laughs> through the Costco and it's people just laugh. They can't control it. It's like um but make it really got to me. And I just that yeah. was like, okay, this is amazing. And I like to tell I'd like to share your intuition, um, especially when I get into okay. a story with um with Bonnie and Tempest. You yeah. just over the top, so I can't say anything. Um, uh, I only speak highly of you, of, of your intuition and your, it was incredible. So thank you for that. And we'll get into that. So anything you want to share um, with, with, um, with, with about more with horses or what you do until we get into the, the other story that I'd like to share with, with the listener? Well, you know, it's just a really magical experience. You know, you kind of can't make it up each time the horses come into the, into a session what's magical is even to just even the ones that will choose to work with who at what time you know it's funny i had a young a client young gentleman um this afternoon and uh he was out and he came into the field and this is probably his maybe his sixth or seventh session he's going through some stuff in his own personal life with bullies and uh self-worth and and he's young he's mm, i think he's 11 now and so anyways he comes in and he's uh he's going to work and he's gonna meet with the herd and 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 the horse that shows up for him this time um was tempest and tempest has never showed up for him in any of his sessions Wow. And uh, he said, well, how come he wants to work with me today? And I said, you're uh, wanting to talk about, and this is, a, you know, this is the talk track part of our work. And I work with little kids that don't do well in a traditional talk setting. So they come in to, to meet with the herd and, and Tempest showed up and Tempest, um, you know, had something to say and, he said, well, he never, he doesn't like me. Why is he here? And he was really standoffish towards this horse. And I said, well, what, what part of trusting there's this is hard for you? And he said, well, you know, it's hard because, you know, things don't always come and be kind. And Tempest just dropped his head and our horses do this really lovely thing called licking and chewing when they're giving you an affirmation that what you're saying is is true and and so tempest just dropped his head and started to lick and chew and then he just nuzzled up against him and he said the little boy said i've never known a man to be kind oh my god that just hits you and it hit like a ton of bricks and i said is that true and his stepdad was there and his stepdad said 
he would feel that way. He has had a very big set of experiences with the males in his life not being kind. Right. And no matter how kind I am, he can't trust it. And this was this mirroring between Tempest and him that came out in this play, interplay of action. Amazing. And as soon as the little boy said, I don't want to feel this way anymore, Tempest turned around and walked away. Amazing. And it was it was just finished. It was the session was over from Tempest's perspective. So we said, well, let's go learn how we're going to change this. So we walked into the barn. And as we walked into the barn, um, I opened up the doors to the end of the barn. And I said, well, let's see who's going to teach you to change it. And literally every single horse came into the barn. And they started, came in and they all went into stalls. Um, they each, most of them went into their own. Of course, Tempest caused a little bit of trouble, went into somebody else's stall. And the little boy was panicky. Oh, no, we're going to get in trouble. He's not going in the right place. He's not going in the right place. And I said, well, well let's see what the other horses do. And, and the stall that he took was Tina's stall. <laughs> and so he took Tina's stall. And, and when Tina came in, she just came in and took a look. And she saw her. She stopped. And she hesitated like, oh, no, someone's in my stall. And then she stopped and she looked and looked around. And then she just found the empty stall and went in it. She didn't panic. She didn't get upset. She didn't try to fight for her stall. She just went into the other stall. And as she went into the, and all the doors were open, nobody was locked into their stalls. They could freely move uh, within their teachings. And the little boy said, well, why didn't she get mad? I get mad when they do that to me. And I said, yeah, that's interesting. Let's figure that out. And then Tempest leaves the stall and he decides he's going into his stall, which happened to be the one that Tina was in. So he goes in and Tina just exits the stall and she just moves over into the other stall. And then when he came back across the hall to come back in, she stopped and she blocked the doorway that time. Huh. And the little boy said, oh, I get it. Wow. And I said, well, said about it, but you can stand it your ground and tell somebody not to come. And I was like, yeah. So he got that setting that boundary was okay. And that change was okay. And that, and that's when it landed, right? It landed for the, for the, for the, boy? that's when it landed for him. That's beautiful. And then he said, well, some of, so that just to finish this story, one of the next piece of it that he went to was he said, well, sometimes I only know how to be angry because it's the only feeling I really feel like I get something out of. And I said, well, that's true. Yeah. You know, when you're angry and you release your anger and you have a good yell, you, you, there's a release. There's a feeling at the end of that that feels like something happened. Right. <laughs> so, so it makes it a kind of a, you know, you can start to have a love affair with anger because you can kind of feel that release that'll come. Right. And so I know. said, well, I get that. You feel that release afterwards. And I said, well, what would happen if you had other feelings? He said, well, I don't know. I never talk about any of my other feelings. And so, and at this point, all five forces start licking chewy. I said, well, do you think maybe they want us to talk about the other feelings? Really? That's amazing. He said, well, maybe. So he went through this whole piece of talking and he said, I'm afraid to let the feelings out. And I said, oh, that's interesting. And just as soon as he did, all the horses came out of their stalls at almost the same time. So it was a bit of chaos in the middle of the barn because <laughs> now all the horses are kind of jockeying in a small space to get outside and to get out of their stalls. And, and he, he looked at me, I said, yeah, it's kind of confusing, isn't it? When all, all the feelings come out at once, we don't know how to deal with them. And then two of the horses went outside. They just walked themselves out and made room, these sort of feelings. Yeah. And then when he was then able to say to his stepdad, well, I'm feeling like this, then the next horse went out. And then I'm feeling like this, and the next horse went out. And then he got one, and it wouldn't go out. And his dad, his stepdad said, well, what if I helped you move that, hor that horse outside? And the two of them moved it out. It was a profound moment that you 
can't make up and that I couldn't have taught horses to do if I wanted to teach horses to do it. They just knew and they knew that that was the teaching that that young man needed and that that dad needed. And in that moment, those two landed in a different space. Incredible. And that's what we do with the horses. That just, yeah. I just, the storytelling and the way you, 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 you presented that just totally landed for me. And, and, and you know, when you said about the single file, it's almost like as, as the boy was releasing emotions, the chaos diminished and there was more order. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. Um, wow. I love Tempest. I love all, I love all the horses. I mean, uh, this, I love them all too, but yeah, they get different. He's, they each have a special teaching they do. ability, but they each have a special way of working their way into your hearts too. Absolutely. And that story, that, that, that happening was a perfect, is a perfect segue to the story mm -hmm. that I wanted to share that really, really hit me. Um, so at the end of, um, the weekend you had, um, mm. so you're talking about the two day workshop. That yes. You sorry. On. The two day workshop. Yes. yes. Um, yes. there was, there was two other, other participants with me, both yes. female mm -hmm. and was it three? I think it was two of me or we, we, we mm. yeah, it was three. It was one to three because I chose to go last that mm. day. Um, cause I was either one or two or whatever. We, we used to pick our, 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 our syntax Order, yeah. to work. And you had said, uh, ask a question that, that you really want to, uh, delve into and pick your first and second horse. Mm -hmm. So I picked Bonnie is my first choice. And my second choice was Tempest. Mm -hmm. And so I was waiting and the first two uh, people came out. But I think with the first, the first one, um, Tempest came out, but went right to me. And I remember you saying, mm -hmm. Tempest, no, we're not working with Frank right now. And then this Tempest went on, just, okay, whatever, <laughs> did the thing. So the first two did their thing, was like, wow, 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 amazing. And when I was to come out, I had Bonnie as my first choice. And my question was... Uh, how to be in honor with my masculine is how to experience mm -hmm. unconditional love from, a, from from the feminine. So I chose Bonnie because Bonnie is this beautiful, huge, incredible horse, black horse. She's a Clydesdale Frisian cross okay. to give people a picture in their mind. Okay. I don't know much about horses, but man, I fell in love with all of them. Um, but yeah, so I don't even know horse if there's a true thing is black pigment, maybe just the dark brown. But <laughs> No, she's black. Yeah, yeah. she's got all. She's yeah, um, like night. Yeah, like night, <laughs> and very, very powerful. And you know, by the end of the weekend, when I when I first saw her, I was like, "Uh oh, this is big. This is scary." Because I had fears of fear of mm -hmm. horses beforehand, and uh, through through certain experience prior. Anyway, my question was for her to you know to to feel unconditional love um, from a female. And so I was in the, the the middle of the ring, whatever you want to call it. Was it the ring? You call it a ring? We call it the round pen. But the round pen. Yep, it's a ring. Right. And I was in the middle and you were on the side and I had my wand behind me. And I think you mentioned uh, you're not setting your boundaries because with this wand. But I, I think I was doing it with my hands, but I, I don't remember exactly. But um, so I'm like looking at Bonnie. I'm in the middle and... Um, she didn't come. I was kind of telling her to come. Can you come, Bonnie? And nothing was happening. It was like no, <laughs> no response whatsoever. And uh, so I obviously I took that as rejection, right? Um, mm -hmm. And then you just intuitively tuned in and said, hey, you know, you can go up with her. You can go up to her, right? I'm like, oh, okay. And I wanted to do that, but I didn't give myself permission to do so. You actually reminded me, and that was a, the theme of, of that weekend is, being allowed to yeah. interesting with that Permission. boy and so i walked up to to bonnie and i was you know cautious in that but then i'm like okay i don't know i don't remember all the steps but i remember going to her to get affection 
but I felt like I was smothering her and I was intuitively mm-hmm. picking it up. So I pulled back and I'm trying to coax her back to me. Like I'm thinking, wow. And it was, you were just so bang on. You just, you just knew exactly what was going on. And, um, so my, in, in my, in my, um, in my attempt to, I got 10 minutes here. <laughs> we got to, we got to, we got to pick this up afterwards. Um, is, was to, she didn't come. And then you intuitively said, okay, listen, um, you said, Bonnie can't teach you this. You, she can't teach you this because she's in the feminine. She, she can't. So he said, we've never done this before. You went in and you got Tempest. Yeah. Tempest knew this way before all this happened anyway, that was going to be <laughs> yeah, with yeah. me. And the beauty of this whole thing was Bonnie, and I don't know if I shared this with you, with, with, with the class or with, with, the, with the people there. Bonnie's black, yin, female. Tempest is white, masculine, yang. So it was a perfect representation of masculine, feminine for me. And we got Tempest to come in and... I mean, you're incredible, Michelle. Just how you do. It's like, okay, watch, watch what's happening. So we sit back, and then um, Tempest starts going to to Bonnie, and Bonnie would just turn herself away from Tempest. She goes, "You know what's going on here?" I was like, "Well, I was saying all these rambling stuff, and then um, it came to the conclusion where I was coming in. He was coming in too too strong, too big, and it was yeah. scaring her, wigging her out, right? So then." It's like Tempest knew what we were thinking or what I was thinking, went back and just started eating the leaves on the side and just chilling acts, right? And then Tempest comes back and you said, watch this. Like, you know, you almost like you knew exactly what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Tempest just came in softer and they just, Bonnie responded and they were just dancing. It was incredible. They were galloping together. I'm like, thank you. And that's the power of what the horses I mean, just like the intelligence and the intuition and, and, and your stewardship from that. It's, I'm blown away. I was blown away. I'm just, I was, that's all I was talking about was, was you and the horses. You know? They're very, you know, if I, if I dial into remembering and I, I often don't remember sessions specifically after they're over <clears throat> with all the details because that's the benefit of having confidentiality and privacy. Plus, like the horses, the event is over. So I'm not going to hang on to it and be like, last time we talked about, because that would not create the meeting you in the now, the meeting you where you are in this moment. But if I dial into remembering about that a little bit, it really was that. It was the how do we as a human, whether we're male or female, use our energy to approach what we want and what do we see as rejection and then how do we respond to it? Because every time you backed off, if I remember correctly, you backed off too far, which then left Bonnie feeling um, abandoned or not cared for in any capacity, not wanted, not desired if we went after it from a human perspective. Wow. And yet, if you came in too hard or too fast, it was an overpowering and overpeace. So then to try and find that sort of really beautiful place in the middle where you dance. And then when they demonstrated what that looked like in real time, for you to be able to get that felt sense in your body, that felt sense of, oh, that's where he pulled his energy back, but he didn't take it that far back. He only took it this far back. And she she then came to him and right. then so on and so forth. And they do this magical dance with one another yes. while they find that energy field to be together. And, I, and then if you then take that information, you can map it into whatever relationship you want it to be in. Uh, yes. Whether that's the relationship with a good friend or a romantic relationship or a relationship with your parents or whoever it might be. Right, exactly. How is my energy coming in and how am I dancing with that energy? Am I coming in too hard, too soft, too, you know? Absolutely. Do I back up too far? And that's that stayed with me, landed deeply and... I mean, I just finished my third book on relationships, and that was a theme in there. And mm-hmm. I w- I'm cognitive now of anyone I meet, like 
anyone? Yeah. Am I penetrating them with my energy? Am I being too passive with my energy? And in my mm -hmm. in my um, life, my you know, uh, when I was unconscious about all this, I would either come in too hot or too cold, and right. that would confuse the shit out of my partners um, and I, yourself. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> coming too hard, I wasn't accepted. And then I thought, oh, I'm rejected now, so I have to pull right away. And, you yeah. know, being astrological cancer, <laughs> ooh, put yeah. it on my shell, right? Um, yeah. But it's interesting because when I used alcohol, it's almost like all my inhibitions were gone. I was more aggressive, but but softer. And I could, I could almost do anything I wanted in any situation. I would think it and it would happen. But I was obviously intoxicated. So I tried doing that in a sober way. I'm not saying that I'm giving up alcohol. I'm just saying in a sober state, I, I would have, as you said, that, that pendulum, either too, too back or too forward. I'm like, wow. Well, and some of that comes from our learned environmental behaviors, right? You know, sometimes in our learning environment, you remember we develop most of our uh, beliefs and value systems about ourselves before the age of seven. Right. Yeah, so a lot of the, what we're developed in and a lot of what we uh, practice in how to behave in the world, we developed before we were seven years old. Right. So, you know, it, and I think this pendulum is changing. As a matter of fact, I know it's changing. However, for people of your age category, perhaps even my age category, you know, men were not necessarily encouraged or invited to experience the softer of the emotions or even the softer side of an emotion. You know, every emotion has a pendulum of its own. So when you're trying to find that emotional regulation and that emotional behavior that then allows us to have relationship regulation and relationship behavior, right. if we've only practiced the hard stuff, then maybe alcohol was something that was able to allow you to access the softer side. Right. It was more like an, an irrigation. It was a watering of the emotions. Cause it's, a watering down. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. For some people, that doesn't work that way. No. Sometimes it comes up the other way. Right. And not, you know, then we began become harder, more aggressive, more fearful because we've lost all of our ways of boundary holding. You right. know, it's really just about, and this is what the horses and I do very, very regularly in all of our teachings, but especially in our one-on-one -on -one sessions, yeah. is can we develop an emotional vocabulary, a large emotional vocabulary that then takes us from emotionality into emotional relationship. Yes. So if I can have an emotional relationship, it means I can have a connected relationship. I'm not talking about the kind of, emotions that has me blubbering over each person or getting into high-end fighting and intense um, energy meets, although those have their value too yes. from time to time. But I'm talking about the ability to be able to flow and regulate with the moment in that relationship. Absolutely. And to see it and feel it from your own self first, but to be able to respect and honor the other boundary that's being set. Yeah. Amazing. So, and can you do that sober or intoxicated? And, you know, there's lots of people I know in the world that I love having conversations with when we're, you know, drinking tea and there's, and wine. I leave the party a little earlier when the wine has come out because I'm not prepared nor willing to have that conversation with that person in that, setting yeah and it's like it's it's good to do things without alcohol i mean i'm reading um a book i think uh i know and i think i know that you recommended it, language of emotions yes. and um the uh, i guess alcohol is good for a time to irrigate as i said earlier the emotions to get things moving when they're blocked but uh, not a necessary i mean a requirement obviously and when you can regulate your emotions you don't need anything uh, you don't need any of the stimulants or the um, sedatives for that not really not once you all. get to that language development for sure Ac absolutely and that's uh, something i'm learning because um, that was my only go-to is okay how can i manage this because i was i had no tools 
um, yeah, empathic kid and had this exterior being right. So yeah, 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 pretty wild. And brings me back to horses. Um, in the beginning of this, uh, of this, um, podcast, I share my two experiences with the horses. So, uh, but yeah, my going into horses was, I was, I was fearful of them, I think because of what happened mm. to me. And, but after leaving uh, your place and, and, and the herd, it's like, I just, I just love for them. And, you know, it's just incredible. They're very magical. They are. And if you don't get it, you don't get it. When you get it, you get it. Yeah. I think there's a large population and a large movement. It's global now that we're trying to uh, show that they're becoming sentient beings. They have thoughts and feelings and they know what they're doing and they're teaching. It's mad. It, it is, you know, I use the word magical, but I don't mean it as in it's mystical. I mean it as in it is an experience that is very soul touching and can really help you to connect with the parts of your soul that you've perhaps forgotten how to connect with. Yeah. Amazing. And then, you know, then having that experience, I'm thinking, okay, now dogs, cats, um, dolphins or whatever, just like every, every, every living thing has this mirroring you know, I mean, like, I've been, I've been um, fascinated. I've always been fascinated with snakes as a child, mm. and the cobra in particular. And then I realized that the whole kind of Hindu uh, uh, modality had Shiva with the with the, with the Kundalini and the Shishumna and all that, the cobra. And I've been looking at some uh, Instagram about snake handlers, mm. and they're just picking up cobras, no problem, like. And there's a there's a there's a there's a balance there. There's no like, oh my god, they're gonna they know how to touch them, they know how to respect them. And there's no I mean they'll nip sometimes. Yeah. But and I thought, my God, we don't know anything about anything. Um Yeah, and this is what shamanism teach you know, when you get into the path of shamanism. Yeah, you know, it's or the path of the red path as some call it. You know, Native Americans have been preaching it for their whole lives and you know it's the idea that nature gives us everything we need all the messages we need are we listening are we watching are we looking for those signs yeah everything that's happening to us in every moment is a is an opportunity to learn and to experience something yeah. even in the dark absolutely you know, one of my favorite things to think about one of the I used to be very highly afraid of the dark, of nighttime. You know, I didn't see very well. Lots of things can jump out and grab you. You know, I was kind of programmed as a child to not not want to be in the dark, right? Be a good girl. Don't be in the negativity of the world, which was what we thought of as the dark. And as an adult, one of my teachers at one point in time said, um, if you don't go out in the dark, how do you see the stars? Yeah. Exactly. And there was this moment that kind of made me think about it. And I thought, well, isn't that the truth that not all it, it, it's scary. It's a very scary place for me still in the dark. I don't see well in the dark. It's not my comfort place. However, there is beauty there and there are things to be learned there. Yes. About myself and, you know, even my strength. I remember the first time I tried to walk from the home you've been on my property. It's not a very long walk from my home to the barn, but it's a long enough walk and in the dark with no street lights or anything else. And I thought, <laughs> can I navigate that in the dark? Can I not take my flashlight and can I navigate from here to there um, in the dark? What would that look like? It's my pro I go put my flashlight in my pocket. If I get panicky, I can take it out and I can turn it on. And just to learn and to empower myself to be, willing to explore the dark places within myself and to have the safety net, you know, of being able to pull that out is, uh, is what makes it its own unique learning. Yes. Yes. The whole shadow and, you know, um, a lot of the spiritual movements, they try to avoid or bypass the, the dark or the, the black, um, 
chalkboard you know you, you need you need black chalk to, for the chalk to be visible and, and just like with the stars mm -hmm. i mean i like the star one better because it's like you don't need a chalkboard you just need nature and um you know when we bypass the the shadow parts of the stuff the boogeyman in the closet in our soul um we don't grow and it's just a bypass well and we miss we miss the learning opportunity there yeah you know and the second part of that teaching is often you know our tyrants that's what we call those negative experiences the tyrants in our life the tyrants in our life teach us as much as those who give us blessings teach us you know they teach us a different aspect of ourselves and they teach us what we don't like or what we do like how we tolerate and how we don't right and the horses are always again great mirrors for this Absolutely. i remember going through a moment even with my husband and i we were having we've been married a long time and there was a relationship angst that was kind of happening and tempest again one of my teacher one of the primary teachers he's a master teacher on the herd for sure but uh tempest was um outside and i don't know what the we were getting ready to do something. I can't remember what, but it might have been time, just about time to come in for, for nighttime turn in or whatever. And I was looking out the window and there Tempest was. And uh, he had Bree, who Bree is our one of our strongest and she's our lead mare. She doesn't take junk from anybody. <laughs> she's, she's our strong lead mare on the property. She doesn't... Uh, she doesn't she puts everybody else in their place as opposed to them putting her in her place yeah. but there tempest was and he had her beside the barn she wasn't pinned she was just standing in a kind of a stationary way and he spun on his back end and turned and just laid the back end boots to her and he was just kicking kicking her hard she stood there and took it Really, and she just took. He might have kicked her maybe half a dozen times, and that normally, like nobody stands there as a horse and takes it, right? Like they usually run away or whatever. And uh, that got me to thinking, you know, how many times? Again, it's the teachings, it's the opportunity to look, and how many times do I just stand there and take the shit kicking that I don't need to take? So that's that was and, a mirror for you. Yeah. And then the other piece was, when do I just go out and for no real reason or what appears to be unprovoked, do I kick others? Right. Right. Because there's, there's a side of that too, right? There's always there's the both other... sides of that equation. Always. Always. And which one do I sit in more often? <laughs> right. <laughs> and which wild. one is the one, you know, it's easy to be the one that's doing the kicking. <laughs> And, and so then that, of course, brought me back and allowed me and my husband, because he happened to be standing there at the same time, so it was a mirror for both of us, really, allowed us to actually say, you yeah, know, when do we do that to each other? And how can we stop doing that to each other? Right. That's the next question. And it, it was just a really great way to sort of have an opening to what we needed to work on in our marriage at that time. Amazing. So, Amazing. Yeah. Like, wow. So, so Tempest is the only male in the herd, right? Correct. He works. Uh, this is a herd. It's a closed herd. So I have a, they're all master teachers. It's a closed herd, meaning that I don't have borders on my property. There's no uh, horses coming in and out. These guys have chosen to come and work on this field and literally in the fields that we're in, but also in the field of emotional regulation and mirroring. Um, there are five of them. There are no more to come unless somebody chooses to, heaven forbid, pass. Well, they will eventually, but, you know, at this time, everybody's healthy and happy and seems to be still wanting to be on this plane. So they will stay here until they no longer want to be on earth in this form and then they'll move on to whatever other form they want to move into um but he runs yes he runs a um we run a, a harem herd if you will because that's the way they would be in nature and in nature it would typically be five females to one male um 
I was going to ask you that as, actually. I was going to actually as a ratio. As a ratio, so they're usually large herds. They're usually like twenties, thirties, forties, fifties of them at a time. Right. But if there's males in, there's usually approximately five to six females for every male. Okay, and then they so, they stay together, right? Like there's not like they're they're not in the swing. Well, they interchange. You know, some Anything males else? steal females from others, and so on and so forth. Right. But yes, that's you know, as a typical, it's a mating. It's also um, the herd mentality. There's a great book called The Five Roles of a Master Herder. Um, that's a great book to read for those who want to learn about leadership or learn about their own uh, spaces within their own being. Um, and as a herd, each one of them has the ability to run all of the roles. However, they typically have a place in that that is their role. Yeah. And it basically the role in the family, you know? It's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was going to actually, when you were talking about um the clothes the, the harem like i was even beforehand like i mean that's one one thing i'm just uh really admire and respect about you is you you're so intuitive like you'll you'll you almost answer before i even and when i think about it and it you'll you'll get to it i'm like okay <laughs> there's more to you yeah. than meets the eye um <laughs> i was gonna my, i am very intuitive yes <laughs> i am very much an empath yeah. Um, I don't do, I am not a psychic and a clairvoyant the way others are yet there is an awareness and there is an understanding that pops up and uh, I get analogies that just make sense. They pop into my head out of, I'll say out of nowhere, but yeah. I, they're spirit driven, they're intuitive driven and, um, that's what makes me unique to others. Right. They come out of all where, <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you about um, chickens and, and, you know, how you have roosters to every, what, I think one to every 10, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking of, do horses do that too in a different way? But And then you answered it with the five to one. Um, yeah. But I mean, a friend of mine um, has bought in a, a hobby farm and, and even being with you and talking with your husband briefly, how aggressive the roosters can get as they rip you know they as they they don't say rape the, the the women but are are male male horses aggressive when they when they fornicate oh they can be yeah uh tempest is um so he's not an intact male so intact males are often um, much more aggressive when they fornicate. They're gonna. They're that's their job. That is their purpose. They are like, you know, they 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 go after the mission. And there is no doesn't mean no to the horses. Sadly, right. Right. <laughs> um, it does for humans. It doesn't for horses. Yes, it does. And, <laughs> Let's get this right. Or it it one hundred percent needs to for humans and doesn't for horses. How's that? Now, why do you um, think that is? Why do you think that is? Because we we are not um, emotionally um, uh, immature enough to to know the the pulse. Like, do they have something more intuitive? Where see, it's almost like if you're in tune, you'll know. You know, no yeah. means no, but no means sometimes doesn't mean no. There's more of a kind of a token resistance. It's it's a real sketchy area that you know you just have to say no. It's means a really no. sketchy area, and it's a sketchy area for for humans. And yes. I will always stand on the side of saying no means no. Exactly. So the minute there's a no, it's a no. Period. The there's not thing. a oh you're just resisting. It's a no. Yeah. And it needs to be honored as a no. Absolutely. Um, horses have a different ability, and. To be completely honest, most of the female horses are stronger than the male horses. Physically? Physically. So when no is said by a female horse, uh, she has the ability to actually knock him off his feet and, and tell him no. So, you know, when he doesn't hear the no, he hears it in a very different way very quickly. Um in a human form, we don't have that same capability. I want to get to one more point, which I just totally eluded me. Um, oh, I wanted to share a story with you. Um, what I learned from you is when you're holding space, 
Mm. Um, don't shove the box of tissues in someone's face, <laughs> which is a big thing for me because I was always like, oh, I have to be supportive. I have to create a, a safe container. I would, you know, with clients, they cry, they cry I'm doing hair and they cry a lot. And I'd always reach for the box and not shove it in their face, but just say, here you go. Mm -hmm. And I learned something with you. And even with this, even just, um, you know, penetrating the space when we did the dousing things. And yeah, I'm so aware of that. And so this one client I had, um, saw her for years. She'd cry a lot in my chair and I'd always bring the tissues. She started crying um, the last time. And I didn't bring the tissues. I says, would you like some tissues? She was shocked that I didn't bring up the tissues and, and, and give it to her. I says, I just wanted you to empower yourself to ask for tissues. Like, maybe I did it wrong. Um, yeah, the, the, the reality is, is that what we're saying when we say with someone, when someone starts crying in front of us, as it's not just crying, but it's the idea that we try to fix it for them. Right. And even though when you hand them a Kleenex, our intention is usually to provide them with what they need. Yes. But the unconscious statement is your tears aren't welcome here. Dry your eyes. Wow. Interesting. Well, so, yeah. so when we give that piece or the emotion you're having is making me uncomfortable, fix it. So for me, uh, I, I, you've been in my studio before you've been in my space before, like within arm's distance to every five feet, there's a box of cleaners. Yeah, absolutely. They're everywhere. There's at least 15 boxes in the main room. Yeah. And it's so that I don't have to offer it, but it's within their own reach to obtain it if they need it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in my experience, I, Maybe I, I, I misinterpreted the lesson there, but when this client was crying, I didn't run right away and I just, you know, I said, would you like a tissue? And she was shocked that I didn't get the tissue for her. And yeah. I haven't seen her Because she since. wanted to be rescued. Yeah, I haven't seen her since. Yeah, she just wanted to be rescued. And maybe mm -hmm. I offended her. I don't know. It's weird. Maybe, I don't know, whatever, but... I thought, oh, or okay. maybe you did nothing. Maybe she got what she needed and she's moved on to her next lesson. Right. Right. You know, this is where that analogy or statement of, you know, things happen for a reason, a season or a lifetime yes. happens. Yes. You know, like perhaps in this particular case, she got the information that she could empower herself to change. And so she doesn't need to come and have somebody rescue her anymore. She's rescuing herself. Beautiful. Which is, you know, the that, ultimate game. Yeah. That's the best way. And, you know, it doesn't mean that she needs, you know, that she doesn't need her hair done anymore. Cause obviously that's the way in this, in the setting in which you met her, but maybe she doesn't, maybe at this point she's decided like me to let her hair go gray. And I haven't had my hair cut in three years. Yeah. Exactly. And it's not that I don't enjoy my hairdressers. It's that my hair's going gray and I don't need to cut it. And I like and, it. And I like, I'm, I'm yeah. actually, I shouldn't be saying this out loud, especially recorded, but I mean, coloring women's hair for so many years since I was a teenager, when a woman lets her hair grow naturally, it's just as beautiful to me as actually more so because it's natural and there's no regrowth yeah. and there's no like skunk lines. I'm like, Nature has a way of creating the tones and textures for skin type in the perfect yeah. balance. Like I don't see yeah. age when I see gray, you know? No. Yeah. And I'm actually really enjoying So if my hairdresser, as an example, if we use that and use me as an example, yeah. if it just so happened that it, the last time I sat in my hairdresser's chair, that I broke the pattern of feeling like I wasn't good enough just as I was. Yeah. Then I and then I go to the place of empowering myself enough to not need to change how I look, not needing to hide my gray or be ashamed of whatever I look like. It might appear to the hairdresser like they've offended me when really what they did was empower me. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and 
so it's really the lesson for the hairdresser not to take it personally. And you know what? I yeah, absolutely. And you know, I'm I've always been different. Like I've, I just did it because my dad did it. And yeah. was, I was never drawn to it. So I I, I brought I, I had a different presence than most stylists do. And even <laughs> doing work, I won't do the, a certain procedure where they have to come in four weeks earlier. I try to have them milk it long. Like I'm just providing a service, and I, it's a connection. The haircut happens. There's a lot of therapy and kind of exchange going on. The haircut and the color just happens as a result. That's the way I look at it. And yeah, yeah, it's you know I was in the right um, career for the time to learn what I had to learn, but not my bag really. Because it's oh, it's an interesting thing because it's really all just the being. The being. The vehicle I use is horses, and the setting is the farm. Um, I've often said that if I was a, a nail esthetician, I'd probably have a, a larger reach because <laughs> yeah. people often will take the time to get their nails done, but they won't necessarily take the time to get their mind or emotions straight. Right. So, I, you know, hairdressers and estheticians, um, they have a, a unique vessel for providing service for humans. Yeah, um, I mean, one client called it therapy, and when I, when yeah. I when I didn't learn how to ground or protect myself, I was drained, and they 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 left just smiling and happy, and I'm like, die like this. Um, yeah. At the same time, though, for me to to drive two hours to see you, yeah, is an investment to myself. It's not like I'm going down the street to get my nails done or my hair done. Yeah. So there's yeah the greater reach, but less commitment less yeah you know well i wouldn't change it i'm not going back right. to school to become a hairdresser Absolutely, or an right. any time frame yeah however yeah. however um i guess my point in that conversation was really about you know whatever vessel you have to be of community and of service to somebody else right exactly it's a great vessel to be in yes. and to, to just recognize that what it is 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 just whatever you're doing, Absolutely. right? So, I mean, the grocery store clerk has it. And yeah. so, you know, the ability to be kind and the ability to be um, in community with somebody, to, to smile, to let someone have a bad moment and then not take it personally, you know, those kinds of things. That's yeah. all ways in which we can empower the human race. Amazing. And so having your farm and your land and your horses, what else yeah. do you offer? And maybe we can close off this podcast with what you do, f with all your all your modalities that you offer, um, and then where they can contact you, your number, your email site, or whatever your website, Facebook, and we can close off like that. Okay. Well, uh, let's see. My farm is in located in Norfolk County, Simcoe, Ontario, um, and. You can find me on the web at navigatelifepositively.ca. That's our website. You can email me or text me um, at mkwasnick at navigatelifepositively.ca or text me at 519-717-1078. The modalities that we do are vast but we do one-on-one -on -one coaching primarily. Um, cranial sacral therapy, which is a lovely um, experience, and we do that with or without the equines. So people who are interested in having contact with me but not having equine uh, contact, I also do that as well. Uh, we run an Airbnb now off the property, so you can come and just stay and not have sessions, but just soak up the energy of the space that we have. What else do we do? Workshops and seminars. So you can uh, text me or email me to be put on the list, and we send out a bi-monthly newsletter, which tells you what's happening over the next couple months. Um, the next one will be coming out mid-January. And yeah, that's what we do. Awesome. And it's, yeah, the two times that I've been is, wow. I have uh, nothing but amazing things to say about you, the the, the herd and your land mm -hmm. and everything. So thank you very yeah. much for, for uh, coming on the, the Ultimate Journey podcast. 
Well, thank you. And I hear that you and uh, Sherry are planning on coming together one of these days. Oh, we are? <laughs> well, this was, this was what Sherry told me last time I was speaking to her last week or the week before. She said her plan was to come down with you as a as a personal journey down here. So well, it would, would be lovely to host you guys. That'd be awesome. I love it. <laughs> News to me, right? Um, right. Who's to know? That's awesome. Yes. Thank you so much, Michelle. You're and, welcome. Uh, it was a pleasure. I look forward to it. And if you could do me a favor and uh, text me how I can hear your podcast. I will send you the link. Yeah, Yeah, that would be fabulous. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank Um, you. Yes, and this uh, concludes this episode of the the Ultimate Journey Awaken the Spirit podcast. I'm your host, Frank DeGeneva. Thank you for listening to the Ultimate Journey Awakening to Spirit podcast. Join me again next time for more spiritual talk. You can reach me at info at the ultimate journey awakening to spirit.com. And you can also visit my website, the ultimate journey awakening to spirit.com. Until next time, walk in love and in gratitude.